your show for all things positive. Here's your host, Kirk Spencer. Hello and welcome to K-Wave 6 Radio. This is Kirk Spencer. Uh, If you listen to my podcast from yesterday, I'm doing a little bit better than I was yesterday. I'm not wheezing and all that, so... Um, and hopefully today will be a better show. Today, our show is titled, um, I'm actually looking at a different tab here. Um, Well, we're talking about how life is legally, and we're going to get into the word of legal a little bit later on in the show, but um, we're going to talk about how the legal system seems not to work for us here in the United States. Or I shouldn't say here because I'm not there, but uh, I am still a citizen, well, what's considered to be a citizen of the United States. We'll get into that a little bit later, too. But I want to bring up two things that uh, most people take for granted, and when they don't see everyone taking part in these two actions, they think that this person is an anarchist or they're a bad person or whatever other adjective you want to come up with. And I just want to go to uh, one that comes from a historic document, which you can find historic documents or uh, ushistory.org on the computer. And it's the Pledge of Allegiance. The original form of the Pledge of Allegiance was, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. In 1923, the words, the flag of the United States of America, were added, and at that time it started reading, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. And this is the part that never changes. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, in 1954, it went through another revision. And this was in response to the communist threat of the times. President Eisenhower encouraged Congress to add the words, under God, creating the 31-word pledge we say today. Uh, Bellamy's daughter objected to this alteration. Today it reads, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, and here's the part that never seems to change, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Now, we want to focus on this last part, with liberty and justice for all, because even with the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, just the first chorus, and I call it a chorus, not a stanza, but that's me. Anyway, Star Spangled Banner, and the last line is what really catches you. Now, before I read this, just consider, these are things that are driving people to have patriotism. Okay, so it's not something that's legal, is lawful, or even a statute. statute. Um, it's just things that draw us to want to be, how do we say, very um, patriotic. Okay, so, oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light? what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight over the ramparts, which, excuse me, over, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. It's actually a question. 
And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave, and here's the last line, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I'm going to ask you, actually ask you, is it still the home or the land of the free? And it's still the home of the brave. These are questions that we're actually going to approach in today's show. And um, uh-uh. hold on a second here. I got a message from my, my guest that she's not there. Well, okay, maybe she is here. And let's find out, Wendy, is that you? Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Kirk. I just want to make sure. um, My computer started, um, well, it usually does that when when it's important shows is my computer starts to do weird things. So it's just easier to use the phone. Let's just go with that. (laughs) Okay. It's just one of those things. No, no, I have stage fright. Okay. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) I just don't want to be here right now. And my co-host, Stash. I know everybody wondered, Stash, that's, that's, that is real name. No, that's just what everybody knows him by for the past, how many, 30, 40 years, something like that, no, Stash? Yeah, something like that, uh, since 1973. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, you know, yeah. I mean, Sting, you got Slash, you got, you know. Um, uh, Ice Cube, Ice T. <laughs> Couple of people have called me Slash, and I keep saying, "No, he works for scums and posers, not me." <laughs> yeah, I got you. So um, I know Troy's over there. Hold on, Troy. We'll get to you there a little bit. Um, at least I'm assuming that's Troy's number there. Um, let me see. Actually, Stash, you know his first three numbers of his telephone numbers is six four nine. Um, let me double check. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that is him. Hold on, Troy. We'll get to you there. And um, in the meantime, let's see. Uh, let me ask you, Wendy, uh, if we have live callers other than Troy that's going to call in here, uh, do you want to take live calls later on in the show? Oh, sure, of course. I, I always welcome um, questions and comments, that sort of thing. It's important uh, for the, you know, to gain the knowledge that way uh, towards the general public and listeners. Sounds good. Okay, you so know, you heard yeah. it from our guest here. She says bring in your – but we're going to actually ask that you let her have some time to tell, tell her story and what's going on, and then we'll open up the phone lines. But the chat lines are open right now. So if you want to join in on uh, chat, I can always, um, how do we say, filter some questions or comments over to Wendy or anybody here, and we can take it from there. So anyway, um, Stash, I heard. uh, Yeah, go for it. uh, As per your previous question or thought, Wendy does not strike me as someone who would suffer from stage fright. She's too much of a tigress. Oh, no, not her. I'm talking about her computer. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I misunderstood that, too. I'm like, no, uh, I actually kind of like the spotlight. 
I, I don't know. It's, it's an Aquarian thing, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I don't particularly. I'm not one who really likes the spotlight that much, but it's just sometimes I just feel like I have to do something, and it's just like, okay, let's go do it and get it over with, and then I go back to being quiet in my corner. But then again, I'm a natural introvert. I just know how to put on a show. Well, let's put it this way. I've had a guest on our show many times before, or a few times before, um, and I think, Stash, you were there on the last one. She's one who has the introvert uh, groups out in California, and uh, even she pulls up, she says, most of the movie stars, most of your actors and even your vocalists, they're actually introverted people. They just get up to make a performance and they go back to being quiet. Yep. Yep. So, anywho, uh, getting back to this, let's get back to the topic of the show. Wendy, why don't you start us out? Tell us your story about, um, well, the first time I heard you talk about it, you were laying at home in bed and somebody came knocking at your door or broke into your house. I don't know which one it was at this point. And what ensued after that? Well, what happened is um, on November 28th, 2012, uh, I was um, taking a nap with my two-year-old um, in the master bedroom, and my ex-husband was um, home from work that day, and he actually answered the door. And it was um, a social worker and an investigator and a police officer and he's like, he was not letting them in. And they said, well, no, we're, we're, they had um, opened the security screen. And this is according to what my ex-husband um, has told me. But what happened is that they uh, put him in cuffs immediately and put him in the back of a police car saying it was for his safety. And um, then they proceeded to come into the house and stormed into, uh, one investigator stormed into the bedroom and ripped me out of bed so violently that he tore my rotator cuff in my shoulder and um, scared the bejesus out of my two-year-old son. Uh, and um, he proceeded to uh, carry me. Um, my belly was facing the floor, and he had my ankles and my arms behind me, like, like kind of like, uh, you know, you would do with a pig or something. And then he shoved me, my face into my couch and like put me on the couch and shoved my face in the couch. I didn't know what was going on. And he kept just saying, calm down, calm down. I'm like thinking in my head, uh, it doesn't get much more calm when you're sleeping, you know, and I didn't know what was going on. And since he was in plain clothes, I thought it, he was an intruder. And I thought, I thought I was being, you know, I thought it was over. I thought I was being attacked and killed basically. And then I can realize that he uh, was an investigator with um, uh, the San Jacinto Police Department um, here in California and uh, accusing me of giving my son um, a, a black eye. And now, mind you, it was not a black eye. It was a slight bruise underneath his right eye that um, my middle son caused in one of their many fights they have every single day. And uh, mind you, my oldest son, uh, he suffers from autism and is violent. Uh, at times when he's told the word no. And he's also very um, abusive towards his younger brothers, which I was, you know, me and um, dad were always um, breaking them up. Uh, it was just a daily thing uh, that we're working on as a family through therapy and brothers therapy, family therapy, individual therapy, uh, parent-child interaction therapy, 
um, you know, he saw a psychiatrist. We were working on it as a family, basically. And so they insisted that, you know, I caused this bruise on his face, and I'm insisting that I did not. And um, they were not allow me to comfort my child. Uh, they said he's fine. I'm like, no, he's not fine. He's terrified. In fact, he stopped talking after this. Uh, he And they then they tried to say that uh, he has developmental delays. I'm like, no, he was a little chatterbox before, you know, you terrorized him in our home. And they would barely even allow me to uh, put shoes on him or anything when they were making us go down to the station, which I came to find out that they had removed my um, middle son from elementary school without my knowledge or consent, brought him down to the station, questioned him, examined him. And they also um, got my oldest son out of school, drove him down to the station, questioned him, examined him, and all this without my knowledge or consent. They didn't enter with a warrant. And I kept um, trying to plead the fifth. I kept trying to ask for an attorney. I kept trying to ask for water. All of it was denied. For five and a half hours, we were brutally interrogated. And then at the end of it, they put me in jail, took my kids, and sent my um, now ex-husband home to an empty house. And that's where it all started. And then um, my um, ex-husband did not bail me out, and so I'm stuck in jail. I witnessed a murder in jail, and not knowing, not being a criminal, not being in jail before, I didn't know that it's not really a good idea to raise your hand and say, I saw everything, (laughs) Uh, after mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, I, people didn't really like me in there after that, and so I felt like my life was in danger. And so my parents um, had retained a private attorney, thinking, "Oh, well, this is you know, since I'm innocent, this is going to be fine. You know, it, it's all going to go away." I, I was believing in the judicial system back then, thinking, "Well, I live in America, I'm fine, I'm I'm innocent. This they can't do this." And um, that was a very wrong thinking back then. If I only knew then what I know now, it wouldn't have gotten this far. So this attorney um, convinced and coerced and um, erroneously counseled my family and I uh, that the only way out of this is to plead guilty to the charges in order to get out of jail and get my children home. And I did not want to do this. Uh, It was up until like the last five minutes of the hearing that uh, it was like in, in January of 2013 uh, so my job was in jail for two and a half months uh, before that, uh, and I was just like, I, I can't do this. I can't lie in court and say I did this. And then just I was told by my I was I was trusting my attorney to give me rightful legal counsel. So why would I question him? And I mean, we paid for him, <laughs> and so uh, I pled guilty yeah, to something I did not do. At that point, you learned that the, I'm sorry, I was just saying, at that point, you learned that your attorney, because he is part of the bar, is actually an employee of the court, not somebody who's actually there to protect you. Uh, Exactly, exactly. And um, this attorney is um, very, uh, I don't even, there's not even a word. I I can't even think of a word. He's just not right. (laughs) soulless mm-hmm. really. Uh so that being said, um that spawned this this you know, so I you know, we're going on, I'm trying to do the case plan, I'm trying to do uh my probation terms, which was um work release and parenting classes. Now mind you, we lost our home. My ex husband moved in with his mother. 
we lost our vehicles. We lost everything, including our marriage, um, through this. And, you know, most importantly, our children. And so my oldest son uh, was put into an institution uh, way over-medicated and uh, held against his will. All three children being held against their will. They want to go home and isolated from their family and told that, you know, their family is bad and that's why they can't go home and um, that sort of thing. And so most recently, last year, um, it was like the 18-month hearing uh, in family law court, and I came to realize that this is, even though I'm trying to do everything, this is not working. Um, They're still turning everything against me, demonizing me, painting me out to be this person that I'm not, and using like just lies against me in court. And then my defense, my quote unquote defense attorneys, the family law court attorney, and also the criminal attorney, uh, they're not putting motions and writs or, you know, declaration of facts or, you know, objections and corrections to the caseworkers report, nothing on, on the record for my defense. And so that's when I stumbled upon, um, fightcps.com and realize that I'm not the only one going through this. And then that just volcanoed into this is huge in my county and not only that, but in my state and in all 50 states. I mean, the more I was looking into it, the more I was finding uh, parents and grandparents that are going through this horrific living nightmare in the family law, in the family law court and, and uh, with CPS. And then I'm, found out through there that you know, the Title 5E and for funding and, you know, the Adoption Incentive Act that Clinton signed into play in 1997 to where they are making at least, like, I think in 2014, they cleared $17 billion for the forced adoptions, really? you know, and, you know, it's just, an, it's all, and then they get the FDA kickbacks for the medications they're putting the children on. I mean, it's just huge money-making scheme. And it's tearing apart families, not just tearing apart. They, it is shattering them beyond all recognition, which is what I titled my canary story that I wrote about my own um, nightmare in this. And so mm-hmm. last year I decided to fire my attorneys and go pro per and pro se. And I was using advice from all over the place, um, writing my, I'm learning, I learned how to write my own um, court documents my own motions, my own writs. I learned how to do that on my own, and I started being vocal about it on radio shows and met other uh, – I teamed up with Patsy Grant out in Ohio. Uh, we're, the, we're co-founders of Angel Warriors for Justice, which is a parental advocacy group uh, to uh, prevent the the ripping of their children from people's homes um, from the beginning um, to prevent that. So we actually have prevented children from being taken. We have – um, helped other parents get their children home, um, but we've both done this with our cases open. And since then, um, Patsy has been gagged, so I I took over Angel Warriors for Justice. Um, for some reason, they haven't gagged me, and um, I went to court, uh, criminal court. Let me back up here. Um, in June, I was unable to make a court appearance, and I was unable to finish parenting class or the work release because it cost money I didn't have. Now, I this has rendered me – I was an at-home mom since 2009, 
And with the felony, I was having a really hard time, and the gap in um, employment, I was having a hard time finding a job. Therefore, I was having a hard time finding a place to live. I went homeless for a total of 13 months, on the street, Mm -hmm. homeless, trying to get the case plan done, trying to um, uphold the probation terms. And it, I mean, what I did accomplish was absolutely miraculous, um, but I was not able to get to court at one t- at one point, and so a warrant went out for my arrest. Now, once they found out that I was back in Riverside County, I was trying to get myself back on calendar to avoid getting arrested, but the next thing I know, uh, they're at my, I just happened to be at my ex-husband's apartment briefly to get some paperwork to try, you know, for the um, court appearance, and they arrested me, but see, I was in the back bathroom when this happened and I with the fan going and the air conditioning going I didn't hear them until they started like kicking in the bathroom door and I suffer from PTSD and I went into a full-blown PTSD panic attack and so they charged me with um, hindering police duty as well so they got me for the warrant for not attending court and for um, hindering police duty that's what I so it's a probation violation and hindering police duty that's what I've been fighting since June of 14 and so um finally last year in 2015 in june i that's when i fired the the criminal attorney and became pro pro per pro se over there and that's when i finally was able to actually speak in court and i felt that the judge was actually listening to me and allowed me to submit onto the record a withdrawal of plea, a motion to dismiss, and a writ of habeas corpus. And I was like, is this what justice feels like? And so um, I was thinking that I finally got a good judge. And so um, I then uh, went back in July, and in July I had another judge do a hearing to review the the motions and writ on um, in a hearing, and at that point, the deputy d- district attorney um, had gotten my attorney that my criminal attorney that we retained uh, to testify against me, and I wasn't even aware that we were going to have any kind of testimony on the stand type thing. And so, thank goodness, my dad had come with me, and I put him on the stand. But it was just they tried to clear the courtroom, and I said, "Oh no, you don't. You know, these are my court watchers." And this attorney flat out lied, made up things on the stand. And so because of what this attorney said and what the deputy district attorney um, did in there, it was just so unjust that that all three of these things were denied. And so what I did was I put onto the calendar um, motion to vacate judgment and put these things back on the calendar. And, um, you know, I'm charging them with fraud and intentional tort. But so I for this hearing was September 9th. So September 9th of last year, 2015, I I go to court fully expecting to win and I'm four sentences in trying to clear the record because they have me on there as AKA and some other woman's name. And also um, I wanted to put everything back on the record. But I'm four sentences in and the next thing I know that the judge kind of trolls his finger up in the air and I'm in cuffs, and they put me in jail. I don't even know why I was in jail for weeks. 
uh, the next, um, plus they forced a court-appointed attorney on me. And I'm like, no, I don't want an, a, a court-appointed attorney, but they're forcing this attorney on me. And so finally I find out at the next hearing, which is six weeks later, I'm in jail, not, don't know why. And that's when they um, told me that I was deemed incompetent to stand trial, that I'm incompetent. Gosh. Okay, and, and so where, then... Where did, where did they, where did, what did they use to make that judgment call? Uh, they found a loophole, and apparently they use it a, a, a lot now. It's uh, Penal Code 1368, 1369, and 1370. And basically, if um, you are found incompetent to stand trial, you are held without bail, and you're put into um, Liberty Health. And so the county has contracted the, uh, the jails as state mental health facilities. And so... Um, they're calling it that, but yet you're treated like a criminal in a cell 23 hours a day. You know, it's, it's, you know, the whole jail experience, uh, for my quote unquote protection and that my, um, criminal proceedings are, um, suspended until I'm deemed competent. Now, when I'm December 4th, uh, somebody from Liberty Health finally came to see me and, and proceeds to tell me that, It'll take six months to evaluate me in order to deem me competent, but it is their goal to deem me competent. And so I'm like, you mean to tell me I can be in here for another six months? And so uh, I was just not okay with that. So that's when I um, had asked, um, I went to mental health myself and said, look, I'm having situational anxiety. I need to be put on some sort of medication to help me sleep. I wasn't sleeping. I was worried and, and, you know, just, it was not good. And so that's showing that I'm competent because I'm asking for help for that. And so then, um, I also sought out spiritual counseling and I was given a book, um, by Peggy Joyce Ruth called Psalm 91, the umbrella of protection. And I start reading it and I know, I mean, I grew up in the church. My dad was a deacon, um, been in church my whole life and went to Christian schools. I went to Christian college, all of that. Um, and I don't claim any religion. I want to say that I'm just spiritual. So that being said, I knew Psalm 91 was comforting words, but I didn't realize the tangible um, existence of God's promises and his power of deliverance from demonic oppression when you believe in it and, and pray it. And so I'm praying it every single day, morning, noon, and night. I made my own special personal covenant, like Psalm 91 covenant. And within two and a half weeks, they deemed me competent. Two and a half weeks. And so um, the DA, I went to court December 28th, and the DA still wanted to keep me in there, uh, bringing up stuff from 2014 that, um, oh, I hindered police duty and she missed court, you know. And, and they wanted he wanted to reinstate a bail that I was out on bail for 15 months and it was completely paid off, and he wanted to do another bail and keep me in there. And the judge said, well, no, she was in there just for being competent, and now she's deemed competent, so I'm going to release her. And the DA didn't like that. Like, you just tell you his face got all red. Um, so I've been out since then, but I go back to court tomorrow, which is a probation hearing. And I have phoned my, quote-unquote, court-appointed attorney uh, every single day since I've been out to try to get in touch with her and talk to her about my case. And I have yet to receive a phone call from her. And so um, I'm hoping that tomorrow I can convince her to not only get this 
this uh, other person's name off the record, but also since I'm charged twice for the same thing to just have this whole thing dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, um, uh, I, I basically I'm going to ask for another continuance because I haven't had a chance to talk to her. I mean, I, I had to fill out this huge packet of um, it's basically restoration of competency packet. It's this huge packet you fill out. It's like fifth grade level um, knowledge about the court, the courtroom, and the employees in the courtroom, what their function is, and everything. And it says in there, like you know, what your defense attorney is supposed to do for you. And I'm, I'm thinking the whole time, going, I think maybe my defense attorney needs to take this packet too, because apparently she doesn't know <laughs> what she needs to do as my defense attorney, because talking to me for two minutes before we go see the judge and just telling me how it's going to go, it's not what you're supposed to do as a defense attorney. Yeah. <laughs> No. Um, so, yeah. Let me ask you so that's some That's where questions. we're at right now. Yeah, go ahead. Please do. Um, yeah, I just want to ask you some questions just to fill in some gaps that I, I found in here. So let's start with, okay, you started with, you were in bed with your kids, your husband, your ex-husband now, answered the door, <clears throat> um, and the rest we already know. Why did they show up at your door? Oh, uh, mandated a phone call um, from the school. Uh, my son had a bruise. And so um, it's mandated reporting. So if he has a bruise, then um, see my son um, before this, for six years prior to this, uh, he found out that, you know, if he goes into the, if he has a bruise or a scratch or whatever, you know, boys get, and he goes into the office and says, oh, my mom did it or my dad did it, he gets to get out of school for that day. Now with his autism thinking, you know, he didn't realize, you know, because he hated school. Let me get that. He hated going to school. He wanted me to homeschool him. He would get really mad at us when we would um, drop him off at school. And so his way to get out of school and get back at us for sending him there, he would he would do this little stunt. And it was like they were at my door almost every single month for six years accusing us of child abuse. But all these cases are unfounded, 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 unfounded. And but they used those unfounded cases as evidence against us in the in this current court case. <laughs> sounds and like you so, need to put um. Sounds like people need to put a um. Was it put cameras in their homes or apartments just to monitor what they do day and night? Jeez, that's ridiculous. Uh, this is okay. true. This is true. That's a very good idea. So yeah, it's a mandated phone call that did it. Yeah. Good grief. Um, okay, the other one is here is um, yeah, I, I'd like to hear your comment on this one. The, the belief, my note here is just the belief that our government wouldn't do anything to harm us, which is the reason why I was going through the Pledge of Allegiance and the, uh, uh, what is it, Star-Spangled Banner, and just talking about you know, everybody believes that America is such a great place and the people will live free and happy and all that, and you're listening to this story from Wendy and you're just going, she was home, she was free, she was happy, and look at what the government is doing to her. So what's your what's your comment on that? Well, you know, I find it interesting that you brought up the, you know, um, Land of the Free, Home of the Brave. I actually wrote and recorded a, a song for my children called Deeper Than the Ocean. And the lyrics in the beginning is, I never thought this day would come where the enemy would take away our sons. Is this the land of the free? Is this the home of the brave? People come out of your cave. Show your children you love them. Stand up and speak out against tyranny. Um, And when this world comes to an end of this melancholy and unfortunate irony, and then it goes into 
I love you higher than the sky and deeper than the ocean. It's the chorus for it. But um, it's very prolific, those those words, because we're mm-hmm. not, I, I mean, this may be the land, this may be the home of the brave, because I've met a lot of brave souls out there since I've been um, speaking out um, for about a year now. Um, mm-hmm. And But we are not free. No way. Yeah. We're, we're not free. No. We're, we're, we're in this incorporation of America. It, it's a monopoly game, and like, the government, the federal government has bought in Boardwalk and Park Place, and we don't get to pass go or collect $200. We just go straight to jail, you know? I mean, <laughs> that's basically mm-hmm. what we're in right now. And and if you don't believe that, that's fine. You don't have to believe it. It doesn't change the fact that it's true. Yeah. Actually, let me get one more here because I know I can I, – <laughs> I don't know if, if uh, Stash is pulling a Troy in the back. We'll get into explaining what a Troy is later. Um, but <laughs> before he <laughs> – Pulling a Troy just means he sits over in in the corner, basically quietly, and just waiting for his turn. Or unless he has something to say, then he'll jump in. Okay, which you'll find out because Troy is sitting over there, but right now he's muted. But we'll get to him in just a moment. My last question, basically, here are a series of questions, is you said you were deemed incompetent by the court. Who deemed you incompetent? Was it the judge, a psychologist, psychiatrist? Uh, who? I mean, they're well, always talking first, about you need somebody credible to do something. So who's the credible person that says you are incompetent? Well, for the first, uh, you know, few weeks I was in there, it was the judge. And then I there's two psychologists, quote, unquote, never saw their credentials or anything. These two old men that came in and did a psyche valve um, on me while I was in jail, which I felt went well. They told me to my face and, and t- called my, like, spoke with my mom over the, over the phone saying, oh, yeah, no, she's competent. But then, so I thought, oh, well, when I go, when we go to court, you know, November 10th, uh, you know, it'll it'll be fine. I'll be deemed competent, you know, because these psychologists, obviously, you know, they agree with the fact that I'm competent. But then come to find out, they deemed me incompetent. Both of these um, psych- psychologists, quote unquote, I don't, know if they, I don't even know, I, would, I didn't have a business card from them. I don't know who they were, never saw them again. Um, and not only that, but I was not able to read the psych reports either. They would just submit it onto the record. And when my quote unquote defense attorney, uh, submitted it onto the record, I was like, objection. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I'm competent. And the only two people on the planet that think I'm incompetent wrote those. Okay. And I don't even know what it says. And, and, you know, I don't agree with that going on the record. And, and it's just, uh, it was just, it, it was insanity. It, it, it was absolute insanity. Um, these so it was these two psychologists that gave me psyche valves while I was in um, jail that uh, deemed me incompetent. And then I had I had like eight psyche valves while I was in there. Gosh. Eight different ones by all these different people. Yeah. Ay Well, I'm going to pull in stash in just a moment, but um, I'm going to give you a quotation from an old friend of mine. From back in Chicago, uh, he's pretty much of a historian himself, and he's always said that the uh, well, let's put it this way: he's a rabbi, so he he always says uh, religion has always been carried out by the minor by the minority, the ones that carry it to to it where it really is to be truth, because most people just hold on to something and they claim to be something and. You look at their lives, and not talking about judging them, but it's just easy to look at them and going, 
you're claiming to be this, but you're doing just the opposite of that. So you're basically, you're contradicting yourself. So the faithful few are the ones that always keep things going through. And this is where Stash and Troy come into this because of their involvement with uh, the government or the U.S. government system. Actually, uh, how you feeling over there, Stash? You feel like contributing anything Fine. there? or? Um, one of the things that I thought about along the way was that in my many, many years in rock and roll, which is a cutthroat, backstabbing business, I, uh, I came up with seven business rules. And it seems to me that rule number five applies here. Uh, which is, if you ain't got it in writing, you ain't got shit. So when they did the psych evals, you should have gotten a copy. You know, they said yeah, that I, I know, right? I, I asked for them. They wouldn't give it to me. I'm still going to ask for them, but they, still, they wouldn't even let me read them. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> well, then you, then you fall back on this one little uh technicality in court that they are the district attorney or the prosecutor is required by law to do full disclosure of all witnesses all documents all everything relating to the case that they're going to present in court has to be given to the opposite party and they it sounds to me like they totally ignored the law again and oh go figure i mean it seems and, to me yeah, that whenever I, I go in there they ignore all the law <laughs> but yeah. the whole thing is you uh you have to get it on record you have to make sure that you're in a court of record and you have to say the prosecutor did not provide full disclosure. I have not had time to prepare a response or to talk to the witnesses or see the documents that are being used against me. I move for an immediate dismissal. Um, it's, do you think uh, I can do know, that tomorrow? <laughs> I, I would. Okay. Well, while we're going that direction, let me introduce you to Troy. Troy, here online. Do you have anything you want to throw in there? Hi, everyone. How are you? Hi, Trey. Hey, brother. I hope you're all doing well. Things are crazy right now, as you guys know. Okay, are you sitting out on the balcony again? Yeah, I'm on the balcony. Yeah, I thought so. We can hear the vehicles going by. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're probably surveilling me. Hi, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> well, say hello to the NSA. They're listening to the show. Yeah, welcome all. <laughs> I mean, it's all truth, you know. I mean, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, when it comes yeah. to truth, you know, it's kind of important to get out there. <laughs> well, we can't we can't figure out how to make it all work if we're not all listening and and talking and sharing. So, you know, welcome guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just get in there and start laughing because of how the the statement was delivered and it, was, it just sounded comical. That's all. But anyway, go ahead, um, Troy. <laughs> uh, what am I going ahead with? I'm sorry. Is there a specific question I may be able to answer or what? Well, I figured you might want to be commenting on what Stash just got through talking about um, with 
having the case probably thrown out because uh, Wendy was not given uh, the paperwork, especially of the accusations, especially of her supposed incompetency. So she has no way to refute anything because she doesn't have it in writing. But yet the court is accepting somebody's word and somebody's writings, and she has no way to defend what some psychologist has written up about her. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, this matter cannot be handled in the courts as the courts are operating right now at this time. Um, we don't have courts of law. We have courts of equity. We are not, uh, you know, a law of the land of by and for the people, but we are under the jurisdiction of the law of the sea. And they are basically treating us as though we are swabbies on deck, that they can keel haul or make us walk the plank uh, uh, on their bidding, which is uh, absolutely uh, wrong <laughs> in the, the most uh, egregious sense of the word or most uh, exemplary sense of the word anyway. And uh, so this this matter has to be settled in a non-judicial process. Um, for example, um, affidavits of truth published published as public notices so that they can stand for two weeks and stand as law until properly contested and, and basically silences consent. So if you put a public notice out there that this is my story and I am seeking at least remedy, if not cure and maintenance, and at the very least, at least my unalienable rights to life, liberty, uh, uh, property, the pursuit of happiness, and so on. And I'm not talking about liberty in the sense of the, the, the legal meaning of the word. I'm talking about true freedom here, actually. So let me scratch that word liberty, because liberty is a privilege extended to one by some other. And who's going to let anybody come up to them and say, you're going to have to do this because I'm telling you so, because I'm giving you the privilege of doing this or not. And if you don't, then I'm going to punish you for it. So our courts need to be restructured. We need official seats uh, filled with people who are of, by, and for the people who will uphold their oaths of office. And in the meantime, our courts are nothing more than safe houses for criminal enterprise. Um, So all agents of the state and all federal agents are serving an ideology that serves them in their, uh, what they call business, which is nothing more than um, basically a crime syndicate. And they're all working together to give each other payouts and share in the wealth as the true criminals that they are acting like. So that's being efforted. Um, it's probably going to take years to get this turned around. Um, it's, but, you know, that's a relatively short amount of time considering the last 149 years or so that we've really been subjugate as employees of a corporation that doesn't even exist except in the minds of a few who are benefiting so greatly through the uh, exploitation and enslavement of virtually every, every other. It's ridiculous. Uh, well spoken. Uh, <laughs> I brought up something, another thing, too. Uh, that I was thinking about last night, and I read somewhere along the way, a couple of three sources, the idea of the public notice. One of the reasons that they get away with thinking that they can take your children, that they own them, is that when your child is first born, they register his birth or her birth in the name of the mother, but unless the father actually claims them, they're considered lost at sea. And if 
if fathers would just get in the habit, when they have a newborn, go to the local newspaper, post for two weeks that I uh, claim and proclaim the birth of my child and that this is indeed my child I am responsible for, then that sort of negates the whole process. If, if I may add, uh, the legal system um, needs to be um, completely disregarded when it comes to the private sector versus the public sector. Statutes exist as an instrument for those that we've elected into office and, and have entrusted as an extension of our power as a community, as we the people. We've entrusted those elected officials to put the right people into place, and if they um, violate those affirmations of oath that they were appointed through, um, they're held accountable, and the government doesn't do that. They don't want to mess with their coworkers, you know, and there's a lot of good people in all of these ABC agencies that are acting uh, under uh, assumed and presumed power of authority and everything else, which they don't have except through consent, and that involves not only verbal but written consent through the accord, which is the verbal agreement, and the reaccord, which becomes the record. Um, so that everything is more than just hearsay. It's actually provable of fact in a court, and that's how law is supposed to work. So the legal system doesn't serve each and every, and therefore shouldn't apply to those who are not a part of that as a public servant, period. You know, when a, for example, a public employee, like a, let's call him a, a state trooper, right, uh, pulls you over, um, he can't even ask you for anything until he produces a summons or a... Uh, arrest warrant, or has been eyewitness to you in the commission of uh, true crime, which is injury to person or their property, period. Beyond that, he can pull you over and say, hey, I noticed you weren't wearing your seatbelt. That's probably a good idea because the roads are a little slick tonight. You know, have a good night. I mean, that's one thing. But they can't walk up to you and say, I need your identification, proof of insurance. I mean, there is no uh, crime there. It's a statute violation, and the statute doesn't, uh, doesn't apply to that private individual while the, op- the so-called officer, who's not an officer at all because officers must be elected into their positions, they are actually just appointees, so we can call Mr. Trooper, uh, you know, uh, patrolman <laughs> is the proper title for that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, you need to get it down to where these guys um, know what the real laws are because there is no legal instrument that should stand if it's repugnant to the law, and the law states do no harm and allow no harm to be done. Anybody in violation of those two tenets of universal law is fundamentally a criminal, at least at that moment, and trying to engage in a criminal enterprise, not business. Business implies mutually beneficial. So we need to just tell these people no, and if they cause us injury, handle them in a matter outside manner outside of the courts because the courts are all polluted with greed for property it's all they're all courts of equity so, so try uh, let me ask you a quickie question here uh because you said something earlier and i think this may i don't know if it will but it could help wendy and when you get back to wendy anyway is you're talking about admiralty law and that's something that's been discussed oh with well, a lot of our friends uh, throughout the years. Now, Admiralty Law, well, I'm going to let you explain that one, but let's get back to what I'm going to ask here, which is using the word legal, it, because I can't think of any other way to actually ask this one, but legal. How can the courts claim 
that we are employees, because basically that's what they are doing, no matter how you really look at it, uh, without us knowingly signing a contract saying that, yes, I am a, I'm accepting employment uh, as an employee of, let's say, for the United States, or United States of America and all capital letters. In case you didn't know that uh, in any contract that you're signing, if you've never noticed, contracts are always written in capital letters, all capital letters. Anyway, Troy, do you have a response for that? Um, yeah, I don't know how I can keep it to 30 seconds. I'll do my best. Um, no, basically, seconds. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, man. okay. Well, in any event, uh, basically what's happened is that the uh, country went officially finally bankrupt back in 1932-33. And the only thing they had to pay with was the true value of the people. So they had to figure out all kinds of tax scams that they call legalities and apply those statutes, which again, statutes can only apply to appointees. You know, the, the elected officials get their governance from we the people. They are elected to enforce our will as a community, as a, 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 a nation, or I mean a country actually. And so never mind the nation business, that's the company. You know, we need to get back to our country. We need our country back from privateers and pirateers who are stealing all of our wealth out from underneath our noses, picking us off one at a time, just like they did with Wendy and her family. This is ridiculous that we're, that we're not rounding these people up. So if we can embrace this, this concept of the law, which is do no harm and allow no harm to be done, if I see my neighbors getting drug out of their house at 3 in the morning with the little kids being traumatized by men pointing guns at their heads, and you don't do that to a child, okay, that is child abuse to the extreme, um, you know, these people need to be charged. And the way to do that is not through courts. It's through extrajudicial, I mean, not extrajudicial, but I mean non-judicial process is what I mean, where you basically um, file your affidavit so the public, everybody knows your story. If it's not contested, it stands. Now you can file liens against these people, and you don't have to go to court for that either, and that frees, um, that removes them from any ability to buy or pay for anything. And they lose all of their property as a forfeiture um, to go into a trust, basically, so that that property can, whatever needs to happen with it, be auctioned off to pay restitution to the victims or whatever. But the, the uh, lien process freezes them from their, um, their life until they pay restitution or the matter does end up before a grand jury. Um, and that's the only other option. It won't go to court unless it ends up being forwarded to a grand jury by the person that's not getting restitution through the enforcement of the lien against that, that so-called agent. So anyway, there's a birth certificate issued. It's the government's claim of our true value. Um, so they create a legal fiction of us using our name in all caps. Our name is our name, which is proper nouns, where I capitalize the T on my name, for example, and the rest of the lower case, like as we were all taught to do in school. That's our belief system. Okay, they don't get to teach us one thing and then hold it against us as if we're criminals because that's what they taught us through their educational system, you know, which is not an education system. It's a system of indoctrination, compliance. Yeah. It's not about free thinking. You know, so um, the game is up. We need to handle these people out of the courts until we can get our courts restored with people that have honorable oaths of office. I mean, if you read, for example, the judicial oath, it's a joke. It's two sentences. And the last sentence is, so help me God, okay? 
They're, they're saying in that judicial oath they are not beholden to any one person. That means they're not beholden to the natural persons just as much as it means they're not supposed to be beholden to artificial persons. And the fact of the matter is when they're saying that they're not beholden to any person, what they're saying is the only thing we're beholden to is property, value, equity. That's why they're raiding the wealth of every person on this planet little by little. We need to gang up against these pirates. I mean, if somebody comes on your street and busts into somebody's home and drags children and the family out and throws them into a paddy wagon, everyone on that street should be out there talking to these officers and telling them to stand down. We can't do this to any of you or your family. You can't do this to any of ours. Your power is an extension of our power. And I, I can't do anything to you. You can't do to me and vice versa. So if you punch me in the nose, I may have to punch you in the nose. Okay? Because I told you no. Don't punch me in the nose. And you did it anyway. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. the only way to get a bully to stand down. They need an instant lesson in empathy. So what we're risking here is our lives, our very lives. And the fact of the matter is, where do we as individuals draw the line? Um, do your rights stop at the moment you violate my rights? Well, in my mind, I, they absolutely do. I'm not, I have no consideration for you if you're not going to show any for me. It, it's, it's all about mutually beneficial in my world. Otherwise, a crime's being committed, and I have an absolutely unalienable right to protect myself against attack, especially after I've said no. <laughs> So yeah. we have to get that mind space, or the guys with the guns will always raid our homes 12 to 1 or 12, you know, 15 to 4, um, and they will win in every case. We cannot cower. Do we, we have to decide, do we want to live like this, or is it worth possibly dying for to not be enslaved and exploited by people who will torture you for as long as they can and milk you dry of everything you got and then some? before they mercilessly just finish you off. Uh, you know, we got to stop this. It's up to every one of us on earth to, to, to learn how to bring this uh, no-crime policy into effect so that we can end war, hunger, poverty, homelessness, and all of this bullshit that is absolutely uh, a manifestation and being perpetrated through a legal system that is in violation of the law. Virtually every legality is repugnant in some way to natural law. Which is do no harm or harm to be done. Troy, yeah, you're getting passionate yeah. again. This is not a problem. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back to Wendy because she's now become a uh, listener instead of the main person of the story here. How can you? Uh, do you have any ways that you know either one of you? Since you guys are working and living in the United States, do you have anything that can help Wendy? She has a court appearance tomorrow. Yeah, challenge jurisdiction. Declare your status. Your status, right, is as an American national. You are a woman, not a person, okay? And basically the court is using your name in um, not only in defamation of character, but um, is assigning you aliases, <laughs> which is fraud. Uh, there's a whole Wendy, you and I need to talk. We need to sit down and come up with the actual actual statute violations that these guys who are actually bound to those statutes, not you and I, they are. They're the employee of that, that corporate policy. And we need to level those charges against them. And we no, don't go into right. court to do that. We do it non non judicially through paperwork filings. So Paul has been um, has come up with a new tack which I really like. Uh, from the beginning, show me the law, along with challenging their jurisdiction, 
And the other really potent phrase is, I do not consent. Um, you know, here's here's what I would recommend if I were if I were in that position tomorrow. I would go into the court, and when they call my name out that they've stolen from me, I would say, "Hello, I am so and so, the man or the woman, and I am demanding that these proceedings be moved into a political hearing with a formal common law grand jury." And I hate that word common law, but that's what you need to tell them. Pursuant to Securities and Exchange Commission number 2640220 and pursuant to the Lufkin case number 9-14-CV-138. Because the bottom line is there is no judge, lawyer, or attorney who is a bar card-carrying member that can take any action at this point without being charged in the flesh and blood for crimes. On the international level, by the way. So I don't care what they think right. the jurisdiction is. Um, they, they go before an international war crimes tribunal and they're, they're hating it. And they will. Hello? Uh, he just muted his mic, I believe. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Um, I completely agree. This is, um, I did a lot of this research that, um, Troy and everyone is saying, um, I'm in complete agreement and I am educated on that as well. Uh, this is the problem I ran into. See, I actually did submit a uh, salvage lien with the Riverside County Sheriff and I sent, I made 11 copies of that. I sent it to, oh boy, uh, the governor. I sent it to the attorney general. I sent it to the American Bar Association. I sent it to uh, the Coast Guard. I sent it. I sent it all were all over the place, and um, I brought a copy of it uh, with me uh, to court and served. Um, not really served, but I put it on the record that this is what I've done. And um, I also uh, have, you know, tried to challenge the jurisdiction. I tried to uh, ask them to um, show me their oaths and bonds and and to prove to me who they are. That they can actually. Um, you know, uh, prosecute me, that sort of thing. And that's what led to the, um, you know, declaring me incompetent. And so um, that being said, I was uh, advised to um, get along with uh, the attorney and try to work with the attorney and then have an attorney with me uh, for the family law court as well. And I'm the letter, uh, I got it like the skeletal, skeleton of it from FightCBS.com, how to get your court-appointed attorney to work for you and basically um, telling them, well, this is what I'm asking, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm innocent of any wrongdoing, uh, that sort of thing, and to work for me um, and not for the county that uh, pays you, that sort of thing. Um, and I'm going to, since I have not been able to reach them by phone this whole time, so it's been a month now, um, I've dropped, I sent one off to um, certified mail to the, the family law court uh, attorney um, and that I've been appointed, and also t I'm going to hand this to my uh, defense attorney tomorrow um, just to get her to work with me. Um, but I do, in fact, have um, what you're saying on the record um, for my defense, but it's just they're ignoring it. Um, I have I used my uh, 
published a canary story as my declaration of facts, and that's on the record. I have all sorts of things on the record, uh, and what I'm trying to do is clear the record of the false information and try to get all this, you know, dismissed and quashed. And then once my case is closed, my goal is to definitely turn around and and uh, take action against the county that has committed these crimes against myself and my family, most importantly, my children. I mean, even right now, I heard through the grapevine that my two younger ones are, in fact, with my ex-husband, but my oldest one is still being institutionalized because he keeps trying to run away, and since he keeps trying to run away, they're keeping him. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's the last thing I heard about that. But see, March of last year, I discovered the fact that my um, youngest son was beat up by the foster mom. While we were at a visit, my mother and I, and my mother is Dr. Elizabeth Plord. She um, writes, she's written five cutting-edge medical books, and she has all sorts of medical degrees, and um, she goes around and gives talks. She's very well known. And so she's with me, and she sees this abuse on my child, and we're freaking out. I took pictures and video, and they immediately, instead of, you know, having concern for my child and the fact that he was just beaten up by the foster parent, um they terminated the visit and I'm like, Oh, you know, no, you don't, you're not doing that. Um, they're like, well, I'm calling the police for, um, they try to get me for trespassing when it's a court point. It's a court ordered, uh, visitation. You know, uh, visitation. Right. Thank you. And so because I did that, because I was trying to ask them, I, I spoke to the social worker's supervisor and I asked her to abide by her WIC codes. I texted the foster mom, please, um, have my children call me, that sort of thing. Please uphold my rights and my children's rights. And they find that appalling. And so they put a no contact order between me and my children. So I have not heard from my children or seen my children since March 10th of last year. And there's not another hearing until May. And so that's what I'm trying to fix as well. Um, yeah, it's, let me, it's let pretty me, let gross. Me ask you, let me ask you a quickie question here. You've been sure. arrested what? Twice or three times? Three times. One, two. Hold on. One, two, three times. Yeah. Yeah. And each time you were arrested, did they read you your Miranda warning? Um, one, two. Um, just the tw- um two times, not the third time. Okay. Yeah, not so the time that they you, just took me away in cuffs in the courtroom. They didn't read my Miranda rights. And I was trying to stand behind my Miranda rights, you know, where I would I wanted an attorney, I wanted to plead the fifth, you know, and all that and um they were just not allowing it to happen. Um and the other the, the one thing the one question that really bothers me in my mind that I thought about because it's been 3 years and 3 months now since this um has taken place is the fact that they put me in jail, they took the kids, but yet they sent my ex-husband home. Mm-hmm. They didn't charge him with anything. So why didn't the children go home with him if the, if the supposed quote-unquote threat was removed? Yeah. I mean, Actually, what I'm yeah. thinking, what I was getting at with the Miranda warning was just something simple, which is the first two lines of the Miranda warning. You have the right to remain silent, period. Mm-hmm. Second one. Right. Anything you say can and will be used against you. In other words, the state is protecting itself. It's not 
out there to protect you or any of us. That's what I'm really just right. getting at there. So uh, if you have something you want to come in from there, I just wanted to make that point real quick. Oh, that's very true. And I was trying to stand behind that. Um, you know, I, I'm a fourth generation civil and human rights activist. I mean, I was well aware of my rights and, but the fact they just sit there and they don't allow it. Um, and not only that, but when I was being interrogated for those five and a half hours that day, uh, they're holding my children over my head. Well, if you don't talk to us, we're going to take your kids. If you don't talk to us, we're going to take your kids. You know, and I, w- I had several um, panic attacks during that time, too. And instead of taking it seriously, they were calling me theatrical. And it's, this, it's just everything I said to them, they did, in fact, use it against me and put – I mean, the – the police reports and that are still being used against me are just so far off the mark of what really took place. Um, trying to say that um, I was out of bed and that I was refusing to go with them into the living room and stuff. I'm like, excuse me, I was asleep in bed and you ripped me out of bed violently and, and harmed me. And then it took me pleading and pleading and pleading with them before they took me to jail to take me to the ER because something was seriously wrong with my shoulder. And it was just, and then it took like four days to get any kind of pain medication. I mean, having a torn rotator cuff is very painful and takes a long time to heal. And it's just like the, their reaction to that is, well, well, when I was in there back in 2012, was, well, what did you, what did, what did you do to deserve that? I mean, I had this huge, I had this huge bruise. It was a black bruise in the shape of his grasp on my, on my upper arm. And it was there for weeks. And, you know, and then it's just well known when you talk with the guards and stuff like that, that you are in fact guilty until proven innocent. And if you don't have the money to get yourself to be proven innocent, you know, and then they just know that it's common knowledge that they know this and they're just okay with it. They go to their job every day and they're fine with the fact that they're acting kind of like the inquisitions from the 1200s to the 1600s where, you know, anybody could say, Oh, well, you know what? Um, I saw that person smile when they heard um, the Virgin Mary mentioned, so they're a heretic, you know, they, they need to be charged with heresy, you know, and, and then back then it was the defense attorney's job to get their client to plead guilty, but if they fought for them, they would be considered liars, and, and they, well, obviously, if they're, if they're defending them, they must be a heretic too, and um, um, in my research of that, like, it says right there um, that to prove your innocence is damn near impossible, you know. And so um, one thing that Greg Todd um, had mentioned is that we need to stop interacting with them and stop, I mean, I've been basically uh, attacking them with paper cuts, you know, with all the paperwork that I've put into the into this in the, in the, in the hours of just research and, and educating myself in the law and, and jurisdictionary and just trying to, I mean, I should at least, I think, get an A for effort of fighting for my children here in the courtroom. Uh, yeah, from us, you do. absolute insanity. You know, I mean, obviously, I love my children. And even, this is popping in my head, too, uh, when I was in that hearing where, the, where my ex-attorney was, um, you know, going against me on, on the seat there, on the, um, you know, the witness stand, uh, he, he said under oath that I told him I wanted to terminate my parental rights and that I blamed my son for this. And he said it was, it, it, that, that, um, you know, bothered me so bad. I still think about that now. And just like, he said this under oath and 
just, I'm like, I never said that. And if I said that, why on earth would I be fighting so hard for my children? It just, you know, it's absolute. It's, it is, it's, it's demonic what they're, what they do to uh, families. I mean, it's not just my family. I mean, my case, it may sound horrible, but there are cases out there that I, um, you know, I'm friends with these fellow warriors they're, they're worse than mine, way worse, and it's gone on longer than mine. I mean, 10 years, 20 years that they've been going through this just living nightmare, and then you lose your friends and family that don't stand by you, you know, and so we find this um, Internet family together. I mean, we would rather hang out with each other on, you know, messaging because we understand each other and we feel more human than we do with people that have not gone through this and, oh, man, I don't wish this on anybody. I don't wish this on the deputy district attorney. I don't wish this on the judges. I really don't because I try to send them love and pray for them because what they're doing is just absolutely against humanity. It just um, – there, there is definitely um, a solution. There's a solution to everything. You know, it's just – us parents, we're getting very tired. And the, uh, well, that's I what they're counting on. Suicide. Exactly. That's what they're counting on. They're counting on you just giving tired. This is something that they even do in corporate law is that uh, if you want to sue a corporation is that they have these high powered and high paid attorneys and they'll just keep going to court and just uh, delaying the court review and all that kind of stuff. And you just have to keep paying. You have to keep paying. So you run out of money before the corporation does. And since they, you talked about uh, something about swearing an, an oath to tell the truth, you have to understand that they swore, probably swore an oath to some government agency or something, whatever, down the line. And they're more afraid of their fellow man than they are of, let's just say, our creator. So uh-huh. it, it, this is the things that you have to come up with. But I want to ask, though, you said something, and I want to get Troy and Stash back in on this one. You said something about proving your innocence. I thought the U.S. was supposed to be you're supposed to prove the guilt, not the innocence. Mm, great point. Yeah, because you have to prove my innocence. And it's like, how do I well, do that? You know, <laughs> our, our legal system is not about the law. They, I mean, they assume you're guilty. You're a corporate employee. You did wrong. We're going to castrate you for it, you know. Um, they they figure they have the total upper hand, period, and that you have no say in any matters whatsoever. Well, they're go- they're in the process of getting a very rude awakening. Troy can tell you yeah. about that. Well, you know, at the end of the day, they they have no um, authority. They have no standing. They have no status, and they have no jurisdiction. At the end of the day, right? One can't do anything to another that the other cannot do to them under the law. And uh, I'm telling you, this legal system has to be absolutely flushed. I mean, right down to the ground. Um, And if there's going to be any legalities that ever manifest again, they're going to have to be, for example, compliant, in full compliance to any one or number of the 30 articles of the Universal Declaration of human rights. That is international law now and has been since 1948. It's just that we, the people, have not been enforcing it. But um, at the end of the day, nobody can force you to do something against your will. For example, the uh, the 
the arrest that they performed on you the first time, Wendy, um, most people don't know that any agent of the state or the feds cannot touch you physically, let alone drag you from you know behind or, or you know shoot you from afar or whatever they're thinking without having read you your Miranda rights, right? If I'm going to have to arrest somebody, I walk up to them and I say, halt, you have the right to remain silent, okay? And I start right there. Now they know they have to comply. They are under arrest at that moment, okay? If they don't comply, other action may be taken, but I can't sneak up from behind and tackle them to the ground before they see me and slam handcuffs on them. You know, anything that they did before they actually said your Miranda rights, like dragged you from your bed, they can be charged with a physical assault, aggravated assault, actually. And so even if you signed their court papers later that supposedly absolves them of any, uh, you know, uh, accountability, uh, that's all bull. You know, the contract was signed actually through fear and intimidation tactics. Therefore, it stands as null and void, period. There is no law that can be honored when they're using a statute to trump that law, as it were, so to speak. Plus, uh, threat, duress, and coercion immediately negate any case they have. Um, you can't do that. It, uh, you cannot use those tactics that is unlawful um, by our own law. And they are the government or local authorities are more, they're the ones that are responsible to that law, not us. I, I am in full agreement of that. We know this um, um, here on the show, and we'll kind of educate the listeners of this. Um, my point was the fact that even though I say these things to to them, to my defense attorney or whomever, they just look at me like, you know, I told them that I'm from Mars and I just got back from Jupiter. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I might as well have just said that to them. And they're like, well, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And it's like, <laughs> okay. A, a and and then when I try to, I'm sorry? Take a camera in every time you go. They always say this call may be monitored or recorded for quality control purposes. Monitor them. As a public official, they have no right to refuse. Right. Um, that's one thing. You're not allowed to have your cell phones um, in the courtroom um, at all. And so, so that's one thing with my courtroom. So don't take a cell phone. Take a video camera, a real video camera. They cannot stop. It's a public court, public record. And the public, the uh, law says, the Supreme Court said, that they have no guarantee of privacy when acting in their public duties. So just report Well, this everything. is why all hearings uh, that involve private individuals where they cannot face their accuser because their accuser is a fiction, whether that be the county of or the state of or the United States of or we the people of against whoever, um, those are all fictions. And we need to um, get past the idea that uh, that kind of gang stalking is going to be allowed. You should be able to face your accuser. Um, you do have the right to remain silent. Um, but if you can't stand before your accuser in the flesh and blood, then there is no valid charge. It's all uh, done through, through statute, through through signature and consent. Exactly. 
That's Troy, what I've been trying on. to say in there. Is I've never been able to face my accuser. And in this case, my accuser would be my son. And he's not been allowed to go in there and say, my mom didn't hit me. Um, so, you know, it's, and so that's one point I've been trying to make as well. And so when I was, you know, I'm, I've been demanding a jury trial on this, um, and has yet to go there yet because of all continuations and the, you know, the, the pause, you know, while I was in jail for being incompetent, you know, things like that, all these little loopholes that they throw at you. And like, whenever I try to do anything that's lawful in there, I mean, you're, you're threatened with getting arrested. So, um, they, you know, I don't want to get arrested again. <laughs> That's my whole thing because this so, this uh, so courtroom is so corrupt. Well, Wendy, last week you actually said something that made me it perked my ears up when you said it. You asked who is my accusers, and you were told by them, if I'm correct in hearing this, you were told that they are the people, they are the state. Yes. Yes, um, I had a phone conversation with the deputy district attorney uh, the day before, the afternoon before September 9th, um, when I went to court, uh, that where I was arrested. Um, I asked him, I go, let me ask you a question. Um, you say district, um, I'm deputy district attorney, you know his name, um, for the people. And I go, how are you for the people when I'm the people and my son is the people and my son is being institutionalized and held against his will and over-medicated forcefully? You know, um, he, he, we're the people, so how can you possibly stand there and say you're for the people? And he explained to me that it is the state, the people of the state. I'm like, well, I'm like, no, Again, you're a person. Yeah. Again, the state can't be a... a uh, uh, anything more than a fiction, an idea. That's all it is. It's not a victim. An idea cannot be a victim. Exactly. I mean, he's not He's not a victim. I mean, this guy prosecuting me and, and going after me fraudulently, even though I gave him a color of law violation warning if he keeps going on with this inadmissible hearsay evidence against me, you know, that, you know, I'm going to have him arrested for color of law violations and violating his oath, which is a breach of contract, you know, and, you know, show me your oath and bond. And like when I'm trying to get them to do that with the universal bonding code, was it 5.1, No, that's, I'm doing that wrong. But, you know, they basically what I was told by my boyfriend when he was talking to um, the defense attorney is that I was using federal law and Montana law in the courtroom. And that's one reason why they had me um, deemed incompetent from the bench, mind you. You know, one one thought that uh, I a little trick I saw a while back was, well, if the state of Oregon or the state of whatever state you're in is the accuser, then I hereby subpoena Mr. or Mrs. State of, not an attorney, but Mr. or Mrs. State of. They cannot produce Mr. or Mrs. State of. So, yeah, I'm in California. So, so I, I hereby subpoena Mr. or Mrs. State of California. Yep. Or, or, or County of Riverside. You know, I mean. No, go you for can do it in all caps. If you're accuser, you you subpoena the Mr. or Mrs. State of. Good um, idea. If, if they See, can't, a fiction can't sign a document, therefore it can never exist in fact or uh, under the law or even as a legal matter. It takes an agent to perform that action. That's who we have to be going after when they commit crimes against we the people. In their personal yeah. capacity. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's no good for me to be beat up by by a city of police officer, as it were, and then go file a complaint with the police office. The police office is an idea. It's not going to hear me out, and it's not going to equate or emote or have any of those feelings that I might have gone through had that happened to them. Um, nope, so we need to go after the agents and forget about the agencies. The agencies are dead bodies, and these agents are orators for that corpse, hence the word corp oration. Right. Now, one thing I did do last year was the I, I sent a letter to the Riverside County Sheriff, um, Sheriff Smith, um, of the color of law violations when it comes when they came to my house and everything is this beautiful letter. Uh, and then I attached to it um, the FBI uh, website page where it 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 clearly states what color of law violation color of law is. And so he responded to me. We were in, we launched a criminal investigation into this matter. And so I'm like, great. So I kept um, sending them all the um, the evidence and the information, you know, and all the evidence is all the basically all I had to do was get all the court documents that I had from the uh, family law court. Um, just basically showing in print how, you know, everything they're doing is absolutely um, going, you know, deprivation of my rights. And so, but the result of that was that they felt that Sheriff Sniff and they decided that, because I I named people on an individual individual basis and also an official capacity, an individual capacity and an official capacity. And uh, they said that, well, they felt that um, they entered my home legally. That was the whole um, result of that. They entered my home legally. Sure, but not unlawfully because that legality is in violation of the law. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that I was just like, you know, this is, I'm just going round and round and round, you know, just, you know, just with this county is this, oh, like they ignore everything. And, and then when I'm serious about it and I'm pushing, I mean, I'm finally getting on demand, I'm, I'm making, making sure it goes onto the record is when, uh, you know, they, you know, deem you incompetent, or you know, um, I think the next thing is probably be contempt of court or something. Uh, I mean, but I, I'm kind of anxious, a um, little nervous about like what they're going, what stunt they're going to pull tomorrow to try to shut me up. I don't know. By the way, you didn't withdraw that lien, did you? Uh, it's still, it's still there. It's still with um, everywhere. The only place I rescinded it from was the family law court because I was scared they were going to put me back in jail. Well, then because it, it is, a, it is a um, non-judicial remedy, so it was just a lien. So it's a non-judicial remedy that I rescinded. So how long ago did you do this? Uh, December fourteenth. So after ninety days, it cures. You can start going after them individually. So. Isn't that right, Troy? Right. That would be correct, but the problem is going to be enforcement, because if she calls a marshal, most marshals are federalized. I don't know of too many uh, marshals who are we the people marshals, and that's what we need. Thank we you. need to officially fill these U.S. marshal seats that are actually really vacant at this time under the, the America's law of the land, you know. So right. the other problem that's is the sheriff. The, the sheriff. Yeah, the sheriffs serve the county, but the county is controlled at the highest level of control by the county bishop. This whole game of the legal system serves the church, and we're supposed to have separation of church and state. That's why we declared our independence from that bullshit, which is a system of law called lex mercatoris, which is merchant law, which means that basically anything that has value becomes the property of the state. And that's what we're fighting right now. We're all just chattel 
And these people are victimizing us and hiding behind their legal fiction status so that it's the agencies um, that's accountable. Well, no, it's not. The agency's an idea. It's got physical people out there acting criminally um, to enforce the policies of that ideology, and they're hurting people in the process, and they're, they're thinking that they're above the law. Well, what we're dealing with is a truly a lawless group of people here who are acting as though yeah. they are the ultimate authority when it comes to law and governance. Exactly. So they kind of drew a line in the sand yesterday when they shot an unarmed man. You know, the, the, the state police or the FBI do not get to play judge, jury, and executioner by taking the Thank life you. of a man who is walking towards them with his hands exactly. in the air, no less. This brought to mm-hmm. mind the question last night. Uh, we've all heard the phrase, the shot heard round the world, which started mm-hmm. the first American Revolution. I'm wondering if this might not be the second shot heard round the world and actually might stir people enough to get them out there doing something about it. Oh, I certainly hope so. You know, it, it just means uh, when – go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, incidentally, we only have two to three more minutes to go, and, well, these gentlemen know how I do that. The show ends in three minutes. I'm done. This closed it. So, anyway, uh, when we can continue after the show. We can get on Skype or something and talk some more, but uh, just kind of come through your closing remarks, and we'll finish from there. Go ahead, I just wanted to thank you for I just want to thank you for uh having me on. It's been an honor and um I, I really enjoy having these round table discussions with other people with the same amount of knowledge and more knowledge than I um have um in order to find remedy for not only my family but um all the families out there going through this. So um there is hope. Uh I mean cuz our creator never fails and the enemy never wins. So it's just a matter of time when we all have our victory. Indeed. Anything? Hey, you know, we we have a battle in in this country, period, and we have to take take it to them and bring it back into our arena. That's it. But I also would say that Wendy uh, Troy suggested that you and he should talk a lot more. I would heartily agree. I agree. Yes, definitely. Now, this is the whole idea of the show, and actually, Wendy, I would say that you've actually graced and honored us with your story, with your, uh, say, your fervent mm, desire to see justice done, which is something that, it's a very strange concept in the United States and pretty much anywhere in the world these days, justice. So I wish you the best in that, and I definitely suggest, since Troy has offered it, to definitely contact him. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you guys want, we'll all get together on uh, Skype right after this call, and we'll continue from there. We also want to thank you, the listener, for being here and being a part of the show, and we hope that this has also inspired you uh, to get up and do something and let you know that there are ways that you can be involved and you can do something to help change the world right starting with your own community and maybe going out even further from there and stretching out and reaching out and helping other people in in their fights and their desires for true freedom. And as uh, I wanted to make this one little quick comment, something that Troy said earlier, liberty, which the definition he gave is actually very true. I was thinking about my military days and then Stash, he was in the military as well. When you are given liberty, 
say, especially if you're in the Navy or even, well, any of the armed forces, they give you some free time. You have liberty. And what Troy said, it's a privilege. Yeah, here's your free time. And when your free time is over, liberty has been canceled, you're back to work. So, yeah, there is that difference between... You can be recalled at any time. Huh? You can be recalled at any time, and that liberty can be taken away 10 minutes after it's given. You got it. All right. We have to go, so thanks, everyone, for being here, and we'll see you again next week. Take care and be well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. We hope you found today's show interesting and of value to your life. Please visit our website at www.kwave6, the number 6, radio.tk. That's www.kwave6radio.tk. Follow our blog titled, What's New for All Upcoming Shows and Events? You can follow us easily by clicking the RSS feed icon on the blog page or via Twitter and our Facebook page. Also visit the Freedom Talk Radio Network and SETV site at www.freedomtalkradio.co.uk for more interesting programming. Most all K-Wave 6 radio programs are archived in our YouTube channel. See our homepage for more information. As always, all the best.